1: Hello, and welcome to the Career Confidant. We're excited to have you here today with us. Last week, we were at the Career Thought Leaders Conference in San Diego, California, and it was a group of career professionals who gathered from all across the globe to talk about what's new and next in the careers industry. And some of our keynote speakers, as well as some of our breakout speakers, just had excellent messages that I want to share with you today as you think about what's next in your career and what you need to move yourself forward. So our first speaker at the conference was Paul Ossenkup. And Paul is a specialist in workplace humor. And the theme for the conference this year was storytelling, positivity, and actionable strategies. And so this positivity piece has kind of been going around the Internet and There's even been some talk about, you know, optimism and overused optimism isn't necessarily good for us, but there's some data and some science behind the idea of laughter or humor in the workplace, not as an empty positivity promise, but as an opportunity for people to smile and laugh. And there are brain studies, brain research that shows when we smile and when we laugh, it, it creates... All the good um, neurotransmitters that we want in our brains, right? It creates dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin. In fact, one of the studies that Paul shared was they did research and put people that didn't know each other in a room to watch movies. And people either had sad movies, neutral movies, or happy movies. And the people that watched the happy movies together and laughed together Actually said that they liked each other more. They they rated that they liked the people in the room more. So there's this piece of laughter, especially when you're talking about oxytocin that builds community in the workplace or at an event. And let me tell you, uh, having the conference kick off with Paul's talk was very fortuitous given the research that he was sharing you have everyone sitting in a room laughing and having a good time at the kickoff of this conference which really built community at the brain level very interesting science there and it makes sense right when you laugh with someone when you're smiling people are more likely to say that you're likable what's happened in our corporate world, is that a lot of times these things are seen as negative. In fact, when I was working one of my first jobs, my boss told me that I smiled too much and I would never be taken seriously. As a very interesting sentiment. She was trying to be helpful, right? And she wanted me to be successful. But such an interesting sentiment that we think about each other and that we think about our careers in this way that if you aren't serious, you'll never be taken seriously. And if you are having a good time, you're, you're a joke. And there's some maybe happy medium, of course, with everything. But the idea that using humor in the workplace is and can be beneficial for you, for your career, for your leadership, especially it shows that you're relatable, and, and Paul kind of talked about the benefits of, of humor in the workplace, right? It shows that you're relatable. It can make you accessible. You have to be careful to do it in a way that works and doesn't make fun of others, um, self-deprecating humor being a good place to go and as long as you are, as he said, making fun of something that you're comfortable with. When self deprecating humor gets awkward, is when people make fun of something about themselves that they really want you to compliment, right? So someone makes fun of their weight, but it's not because they're comfortable. With it, it's because they're uncomfortable with it, and then that makes everyone else uncomfortable. So, when we use self deprecating humor, we have to do it about something that we're comfortable with, we're confident in. We're okay making fun of ourselves in that area, and then it can actually be funny to those around us and create some of these good feelers that Paul was talking about in his presentation. Now, you may be like me, and you think, well, Maria, I'm just not funny. Um, human humor is not a natural talent of mine and it, it's hard, right? So figuring out ways to add in humor um, and doing it in a way that works for you. What I noticed, and I was giving a presentation in January, two years ago, is that January? Yeah, a year ago, January. And someone come up to me afterwards and said, you know, you're so funny and people were actually laughing during the presentation. And I thought, what is going on here, right? People are laughing at me. That never happens. And I had kind of specifically gone away from using humor on purpose because I knew that when I did it, people didn't laugh, right? It didn't work. And, and so I said, okay, i not trying to be funny anymore. I'm just going to take that out of the equation. But what happened in this presentation was that I was telling stories that were true stories. I made fun of myself a little bit, um, but in a way around something that I was comfortable with. And so it worked, right? People laughed and it made sense and it had a, they had a good time. Um, they enjoyed the presentation and even more so because it, it used some humor. So figuring out how humor works for us is important and or having someone else in your office who is humorous and encouraging them instead of discouraging them. So it might be that you don't even think about it, but ways that you are interacting or ways that the team is interacting with your leadership are discouraging the idea of humor in the workplace. So how could you encourage it? How could you give the green light to that person who is funny and does make people laugh around your office to do it more, to to have more opportunities for that? Because it really, there's some solid science behind its positive impacts. And it's not just about having a good time. It's about giving people an opportunity to Get together, to share together, to come together. And one of the other statistics that Paul shared is that it's also an opportunity for people to express themselves. So the new generations, instead of expressing themselves through music, and research used to show that people said that they expressed themselves through music, right? What they shared, what they played, what the music that they listened to. And now new generations are saying that they express themselves through humor. And that might give you some pause. You think, well, how does someone express themselves through humor? But the idea is that we are sharing funny videos with each other. And what you share and say, hey, this is funny. It's a video. It's a meme. Whatever it is on whatever platform you're on, you are expressing your sense of humor, not through what you might say or do, but through what you choose to share and what you think is humorous and what you share with other people. That is you expressing yourself through humor. And we do it all the time, right? Here's this funny cat video, or here's this funny mom video. And we might not even think about it, but the videos and memes that we choose to share hopefully are humorous because most of the other time they're just mean, um, but they're they're humorous Or they are causing someone to smile. And that is us expressing ourselves through humor. So very interesting thought. Your new generations want to express themselves through humor. They want to be able to share some of those funny videos in a presentation or what have you. And if you are squashing that, your office environment says, oh, we're too professional for that. You're most likely turning those younger generations off because they want to have an opportunity to express themselves through that humor. So Paul Austin Cup, very funny guy. He's got a TED Talk all about the positivity and of laughter and and science behind laughter and, and humor and why it's good for leaders in the workplace. One of my international attendees came up afterwards and she said, you know, that's great here in the U.S., but in Europe, right? That would not go over well in Europe. Well, you got to know your audience and you have to know what you're who you're connecting with. And I think we start to push the boundaries a little bit on what professional is and what professional looks like, because people don't want that stoic professional front anymore in a lot of, and um, it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Positivity in the workplace, we also had people talking about how you can storytelling and of course, and wrapping all of this together, our coaches and brand strategists, personal brand strategists were coming together to talk about new ways of helping people tell their stories of helping people advance in their careers and we're going to take a short break when we come back we'll talk a little bit more about our next presenter, who was William Aruda. William is the founder of Three sixty Reach survey which is the one of the only personal branding surveys on the market where you can get people's feedback and it compiles it and can give you some brand attributes of yourself he's also the founder of reach personal branding of which career thought leaders teaches that to coaches to become personal branding strategists so he was talking about the new trends in personal branding and what's going on with personal branding. And He is a well-known person in our audience, of course, having founded the personal branding program and the personal branding coach program. So it was great to see him and to have him be able to connect to a bunch of the students, uh, coaching coaches that had never met him in person. So I'm going to share his brand trends with you after this break and what they mean for your career we'll be right back in just a few minutes
2: voice america business network the bottom line in business Business Channel.
1: Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests,
0: new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN.
2: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business
0: Network. You are tuned into The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant.
1: Welcome back to the Career Confidant and today I'm sharing some of the pearls of wisdom for you that we got through the Career Thought Leaders Conference in San Diego, California. I guess it wasn't last week but the week before. And Paul Ossencupp, we talked about his humor in the workplace, awesome work that he's doing, get us out of our out of our rut in thinking about how we interact with others in the workplace and what we consider to be professional. And then William Aruda capped off the last day as our, our closing keynote presenter on the Monday and talking about branding trends. Now, I always kind of have to sit in my seat and hold on when he's presenting because he has so much information to share. And um, he always does a great job at capturing people's attention in a way that you're not expecting. So the first slide that he shared is personal branding is dead. Now, what he meant by that is that the optional personal branding, personal branding being a luxury item, if you will, is dead because everybody today needs to know who they are, what they stand for, and where they want to go. And the personal branding we've talked about it a lot on this show it really gets misunderstood and people say oh you you know it's inauthentic well let me tell you if a brand is inauthentic it doesn't work right if a brand promises something and it doesn't deliver it doesn't work so a brand isn't fabricated a brand isn't something you make up a brand is authentic it's something you discover and articulate about yourself and you have to articulate it in an audience in a a language that connects with your audience so it is translated if you will but it's not created or or inauthentic and so when he's talking about personal branding being dead what he means is this idea that it's optional is dead and going back to the very basic definition of personal branding it's knowing who you are what value you bring to the audience and where you're going So if you don't know those things, you cannot be in control of your career. If you don't know those things, you are not in the driver's seat, right? You're sitting around waiting for someone else to tell you what the next move looks like. And that is not a good place to be right now. It will not be a good place to be if there's a recession and all things that go up must come down. So eventually we're going to have a recession. Hopefully it's not as bad as the one we had in 2008, 2009, but it's going to happen. And if you don't know who you are, what you stand for, the value you bring and where you're going, you're going to be in trouble. So the idea that branding is optional is dead. What are the other trends that he shared? Nexting. So this is the trend and it's not really surprising that people are thinking about where they're going next. 70% of people are thinking about making a move. They want to know what's coming up. They want to know where they're going next. And really, if you're not nexting, you're as I just was saying, going to be in trouble. Got to know where you're headed and be able to take those opportunities when they come. The next one that he shared wasn't really new. It's something we've been teaching for a while, but people still don't necessarily get it that you are judged by what people find about you online. This is that idea of digital first, people meet you first online. And when you don't have an online presence that matches what you want people to know about you, it makes it hard for them to do an accurate assessment of you because once they've seen who you are online, they anchor everything else to that. So if you don't have a good digital brand, I'm. it's hard for me then to... Um, It's hard for me then to change my mind about you. If you look old school online, even if you spend an hour telling me about how you're up on the latest trends and you've done all this training and technology, I'm going to think you're old school. It just is psychologically how our brains work. We have a hard time putting people into new buckets and changing the way we think about people. So as you're thinking about your your digital impression, it's really, and we went through this, this equation, if you will, a while ago on the show, trust. So building trust is your dependability, your, your credibility, and your likability. And we want to build trust with people online. So we have to show that we're credible, we have to be likable, and we have to be dependable. And kind of all of that centers over our ability to connect to others. So the denominator, if you will, is our ability to connect with others and and be likable. So when we think about our digital impression, it's different than what it used to be, right? you would be able to put this professional front up on LinkedIn and ooh, you could have this polished online image. And that really doesn't work anymore because people want you to be connected they want you to be accessible and if all you have is that professional front up on LinkedIn let's say it means that you're not connectable and probably people are going to have a negative opinion about you even if they say that they want someone who's quote unquote professional they're having they're going to have a hard time saying that you are connectable and likable if you don't have some kind of accessible presence online. Now that doesn't mean you have to tell everybody everything, and of course there are privacy concerns, but it does mean that you have to be more than just that professional front, so that you can connect with other people online. Then he talked about flextrapreneurship—long word. Um, I, you know, it's the same idea as entrepreneurial. I in entrepreneurial, so that. Companies who help people grow and change internally are going to have more success. And of course, people who are open to do that are going to have more control over their career. The idea of brandscaping um, has been around since the early 90s, but taking that and really thinking about, you know, how are you being clear about your brand? How are you connecting to the target audience, to your decision makers, to people who might be your advocates, and really connecting with people on a daily basis so that you have that network, as well as them having the clarity around who you are. Treadmill learning, so the idea that we are all always learning with all of the Online learning that you can do for free now? Are you keeping up with what you need to keep up with in your industry? Are you taking control of your own learning path? I always kind of chuckle when someone says, Oh, you know, my company's not paying for training, and it'd be nice if they did, but guess what? You're in charge. And if they're not paying for training, it's hurting you, not them. It is hurting them, unfortunately, but it's mostly hurting you in terms of your career. So what are you going to do about it? There's plenty of options, plenty of free options, and maybe you want to do some investment in your career, your career growth, your training, because if you don't continue learning, it will hurt your career progression, not really anyone else's. And thinking about what you want and how you can connect with other people through that learning I was just talking to someone who's trying to decide about a training program and there's an opportunity to do one in person. Of course, it's a little more expensive and it's a little more time while well, you get some actual benefit from that time in person, especially if you use it to network and to build your network because then you're not only filling the knowledge gaps, but you can be filling your brandscaping gaps at the same time. So thinking about how you get people to advocate for you, this is his idea of digital advocacy. How do you get people to endorse you? Companies are worried about this, right? How do they get endorsements and are, are things online really, do they mean anything? How do you know that something is good? More and more people are using their networks to vet services. So thinking about how you are using your network to grow your brand. And what would people say about you? Would people recommend you? How are you building those advocates both digitally and in person, so that you have a strong network and people that will actually advocate for you. Um, People are working online more and people are more mobile. So there's also this idea of distance branding or virtual branding in the workplace where you need to be able to have a brand even if you're not in person with people especially in our large companies understanding that people get to know you by video and on those video calls are you there are you present are you actually making connections and using that as an opportunity to to control your brand in via distance, if you will, visual virtual, virtual branding. Digital dexterity. So this is a huge piece in terms of people being comfortable with the technology. One of the trends we saw in our r- research in 2018, doing some research about what's growing and visual interviews are, as far as we can see, taken off whether it's asynchronous and you're doing it with a recording or it's a virtual interview over something like Zoom, you have to be comfortable with technology and you have to be comfortable with video, which goes right into the last trend, which is you casting. Video is blowing up in terms of its use and marketing and its use in, in people connecting With others, and if you don't feel comfortable, you really are getting left behind and not competing where you should. There's some frustrating parts to that, of course, because are we trying to assess your video skills or are we trying to assess your work related skills? But the truth is that video and comfort with it are becoming workplace skills in a lot and a lot, a lot of places because you're having to do more virtual work with teams across the globe and if you aren't comfortable with that and you can't do that it creates distance between you and your team. I sit on calls frequently where there's some people using the video and some people not using the video and it's hard for people who are not using the video to connect in the same way as those that are and in fact one of these classes, I have to remind myself that there are people on the phone because when you can't see their face and they're not part of the video lineup on the screen, they get forgotten. So when we're thinking about the impacts of these things to our career, you know, getting forgotten on a conference call, if it's critical to your work, is just really not helpful, right? It's, that's... Not where we want to be in our career. And yet if we aren't taking control and we aren't figuring out how to do video, we're not figuring out how to use the technology that our our company, our team is using, we are going to get left behind. So, those were just the first two presentations of the Career Thought Leaders Conference, and we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to dive more into the storytelling aspect of the conference and some of the key lessons there that you can take away to improve your career. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. Mm -hmm.
0: Have you tapped your full potential as a leader? Sometimes you have to go a little deeper and connect with your inner force. Join host Angela King as she invites you to discover something that already lies within you and helps you become a better leader. Your most important connection is the one you have with yourself. It's time to connect, ignite, and rise. It's time for Inner Force. Tune in live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7.
2: Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business.
0: You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant.
1: Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we've been talking about some of the insights from the Career Thought Leaders Conference last week in San Diego, California, and we have focused a little bit on the branding aspect and the positivity, and now I want to talk about some of the storytelling aspects of the presentations, and you it was very interesting. So, our presenter on the morning of the second day was Valerie Gordon. Valerie Gordon is a story specialist, a story producer, so she has been a producer on the TV, on TV, TV shows, ESPN, doing sports stories. Um, She's won many Emmys, a very, very storied and credentialed presenter. And you, well, maybe not you, but having run conferences for a while, it always is, interesting to see people who have a lot of credentials but don't necessarily uh, can't share it with people in a in a way that helps them actually implement it and Valerie knocked it out of the park so the opportunity for us to tell our stories and to really understand how we were going to connect this for our clients she just made it so easy and she shared a few different ways to think about stories. Uh, But one of the main takeaways for me was around conflict. And I am one of those people that I don't think about it this way, but I avoid conflict, right? It's not easy for any of us to handle conflict or to manage conflict. We did a show a while ago where someone came on and talked about conflict management because it's hard, right? It's one of those things that we don't do well. But what Valerie brought up is the idea and the kind of aha that all good stories have conflict. When you think about any story, there's that pivot point, that place where um, you are going to start telling the story And that is usually some kind of conflict, right? It's that opportunity to do something different, to handle it differently, to move in a different direction, and it's all about conflict. Now, conflict doesn't have to be bad, and I think that's one of the other issues that we have with conflict is that we design it in our head to be something bad, it can be, you know, something's lost or um, watch a lot of Curious George because I have a toddler. And in Curious George, the conflict is always about George making a mistake, right? But that's conflict. That is that idea that you've got to solve a problem or do something different. And and it's all created around this idea of conflict. But what happens for us in the workplace is that we are so afraid of conflict that really we miss the opportunity to tell a good story because conflict happens anyways, right? Conflict is going to happen. It's whether or not we use it as part of our story or we try to avoid it and therefore kind of push it under the rug, right? So when we're thinking about our own story, A lot of times the juicy stuff happens when there is some kind of conflict. And if we avoid that, if we don't embrace it as part of our story, our stories just aren't as interesting. It's just the way it is, right? If we avoid it, if we push it under the rug, our stories are just not going to be as interesting. And Being a a conflict avoider at some point, uh, in some ways, um, it was helpful for me just to think about that and to understand how really when we tell a good story and when we think about our story, if there's no conflict, it's not a good story. So if we can accept conflict as maybe even a positive, um, because it means that we'll have a, a good story to tell in the future. So that was one of my main ahas from her presentation was just this idea that our stories are what connects us to other people. And if we don't have um, conflict, we can't have a good story. Does that make it any easier to handle conflict? I don't know. But it was a good aha for me just to think about the idea of conflict is not uh, a negative thing doesn't have to be a negative thing um valerie also talks a lot about being the author of your own story and that's also a powerful metaphor just to think about are you authoring your own story or is someone else doing someone else doing it if you've ever seen the movie The Holiday, it's a little little older with uh, Cameron Diaz and Kate Winslet. And one of Kate Winslet's main learning points in the movie is that she needs to be the leading lady in her own story. And that takes making action, right? That takes doing something different. It takes um, taking risks, as they say in the, in the movie, right? It, it takes gumption to be able to be the author of your own story. So Valerie broke the story down into the basics. Who, what, where, when, and why, and then how. She's a journalist, so it comes it come as any surprise that She'd think about what is going on in the story, who, what, when, where, when, and why, and how. A really helpful exercise that she had us do is to think of what you would call the current chapter in your life. So if you had to title the current chapter of your life, what would the title be? And what would some of the plot points be? And how are you going to take control of that and what comes next and what the next chapter of your life looks like? And you might even do that as well. What would the title be of the next chapter in your life or in your career be? And what actions do you need to take to get from that current chapter to the next chapter? Now, of course, in the career space, we usually simplify storytelling down to challenge-action-result or challenge-action-outcome. I know there's a lot of other acronyms out there, and some of them use, you know, situation and task. I've always been a a fan of challenge because challenge has a lot more sexiness to it than situation and task, right? Situation and task don't don't really... make me want to listen but challenge that's interesting right valerie talked a little bit about plot twists It's another excellent metaphor for when things don't go right in your career it's okay it's a plot twist and how did it get there what is the challenge where did it come from why'd you get off course and then how can you overcome it Going back to the idea of you being the author of your own story, you're in charge of this plot twist, so what what's going to happen next? It's not a novel, it's a participative story, right? I always loved those. And I think they're starting to make TV shows that do that now, where you get to choose your adventure. That's what they call Choose your adventure stories. Your career, your life is a choose your adventure story. It's not a novel that's already been written. So when there's a plot twist, what are you going to do to take control of that and decide where you want it to go next? And thinking about um, our story and how we want to tell it, how we want to think about our story. And again, what will that next chapter look like in your story? What are you going to do to take control and get where you want to go with your story? She talked a little bit about reality TV and It's always interesting to think about that reality TV shows have a script. In fact, they have just as many writers as other TV shows because it isn't reality. It's crafted reality. And they take story elements and and blow them up or minimize them to create the story that they want. I always think about that in terms of your resume, your LinkedIn profile, you are the author of this reality TV show. You get to decide what gets the most airtime. It's your story. It's your marketing. And you get to decide where the emphasis is placed. It's a—it's not something that you have to do and follow a certain pattern or program or share everything about every job. You really get to decide that reality TV show and what gets put on the air, and, and author your own story, even though it is still, of course, reality. We're not lying, we're not stretching the truth, but we do get to choose what parts of that story get the most airtime. She talked a little bit about um, flashbacks and flash forward. I've been seeing this go around, I don't know where it's coming from, but this whole idea of Looking back can have its benefits. You can think about what you want to learn from what happened. You can decide how you're going to handle things in the future. But really, that's about it. Beating ourselves up about what we did in the past just doesn't do much for us. What do you want to take from that? What do you want to learn from it and move forward? As my coach and I were sitting down talking about how I wanted to grade, if you will, how I wanted to evaluate the conference. That was one of the most powerful questions, I think, for me to ask and for me to ask my board, what three things will we do next year based on what we did or what we learned or what worked or what didn't work this year? Because we can sit around and and hash what worked and what didn't work to death, but the main point is, what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do differently next year? So when you have those plot twists, or you have those things that don't go the way you want them to, learn from it, think about it, and then move on. What are you going to do about it next year? What do you want to do with that next time? And take those flashbacks, minimize them, and think more about what things are going to look like in the future. We're going to take another short break. When we come back, we'll go through our last few points here from the career thought leaders conference and i will see you in just a few minutes
2: the business community's first choice in internet talk radio
0: voice america business network Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. We hear it and read about it every day in the news Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
2: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
0: You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant.
1: Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we've been going through some of the key takeaways from the Career Thought Leaders Conference. Uh, Kyle Elliott kicked off the conference, he took a little risk for me and um, spoke at our opening reception in a very open setting on the courtyard in the beautiful beach of of California. And he talked about owning our awesomeness. And, you know, might kind of sound like, oh, fluff, fluff. But really what he was talking about is, oh, fabulousness, owning your own fabulousness. And so many of us are not confident. We might fake it, but we really aren't. We don't really know what makes us fabulous. We would never want to say what makes us fabulous. And we hide behind this idea that if I say I'm fabulous, I'm bragging, boasting, saying I'm better than you. But we don't have to dim ourselves. You've seen that meme going around, I'm sure. You don't have to dim yourself for someone else's light to shine. And because your light shines doesn't mean that someone else can't. I think the meme says that the sky would be awfully dark with just one star, right? So he made us talk to other people at the reception and tell them what made us fabulous. And then you had to say what would make it even more fabulous or what makes it even more fabulous. And you really had to think about how you wanted to share what makes you fabulous. Now, the caveat was that it had to be something that no one else could say about themselves. It was kind of easy for me because I was running the conference, right? So I was the only one there who was running the Career Authority conference. I didn't use that one. I, I didn't take the easy way out. But the idea is to get more comfortable saying what's fabulous about you. It doesn't mean that you're saying no one else is fabulous. And in fact, he brought up the point that when we're comfortable with ourselves, we're more likely to actually seek out what others have that's fabulous about them. Because we're not self-conscious and sitting there thinking the whole time. What am I going to say or what do they think about me or whatever it might be that's going through our minds that typically gets in the way of us listening to the other person. If we know how we're fabulous and we're confident sharing it, then we can save more time for listening to other people and really finding out what makes other people fabulous. Then I had the opportunity to close the conference, which I do most years, because I like to be able to weave all the pieces together for the people who attended and kind of bring it full circle. So I was thinking about what I was saying and, oh yeah, going back to what Kyle said at the very beginning of the event, there's a lot of research and I did a whole show on this. So there's a lot of research that says that if we don't take any risks, then we will never have real success. And then we won't ever have real confidence. So here's how this plays out in people's working life. And I was just kind of processing this with someone at lunch today. People think that safety in their career is the opposite of taking risks in their career. But what happens then is that you never get anywhere in your career. And so you may be safe, but it's actually a risk because as we saw in 2008, 2009, then when somebody else takes that safety away from you, you no longer have any confidence, real confidence to build on because you haven't taken any risks. So thinking about change in our careers, thinking about risk in our careers as a skill, and as something that makes us safe. Taking risks in your career makes you safe. That's a mindset shift. Being safe in your career is actually a risk. Taking risks in your career is safe because then you have the skills and confidence and momentum and network that you need to make another step when you need to and that is safe having your career in someone else's hands that is a risk because they could decide tomorrow if you're done but if you take risks and I'm not talking about huge risks not talking about quitting your job and buying a business like this crazy lady did right it doesn't have to be big It could be a project you volunteer for. It could be a volunteer thing that you do outside of work to gain some skills or build a network. It could be a class that you take where, again, you can build some skills or build your network. Little risks along the way to keep yourself moving, to keep yourself agile. People at the conference, if they were paying attention, and they stayed until the end of the conference, or they were paying attention to the attendee list, they'll have noted that uh, my family and I are moving to Salt Lake City, Utah, and we're kind of in the middle of all of that craziness at the moment. My husband's getting the opportunity to make a change in his career, and right? It's a muscle. If you don't use it, you lose it. He's been in the same company for 11 years, been in the same position for, I don't know, five or six, and was starting to feel the need to make a change. Had tried internally and it didn't work out. And so now he's getting the opportunity to make a change and make a shift. And it's scary and it's hard. And for all of us and for him, especially having to start a new job and go through all that awkwardness, But that skill and that momentum are things that he can use to grow on and to do something that he wants to do. When I look at people who are unhappy in their careers, who don't feel fulfilled and or aren't as successful as they want to be, a lot of times they have missed out on opportunities to take risks. And I'm going to have to keep researching and finding and maybe do some of my own research on this. What is that? Thing that people have that allows them to say yes to opportunities. I know not right now everybody's all about saying no. And if you read articles, you read things, it's all no, 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 say no, figure out what to say no to. The reason you figure out what to say no to is so that you have the bandwidth and the clarity to know when to say yes. It isn't really about saying no. It's about having the clarity and the bandwidth to be able to say yes to the right things. Because if all you do is say no, you're not getting anywhere. You're not going to grow. You're not going to do what you need to do. So yes, you got to figure out what to say no to, but don't lose sight of the fact that you're doing that so that when the right opportunities come up, you can say yes. Because that's how we get things in our career is finding The gumption to take a risk and say yes and do something that stretches us, that changes us, that moves us, that gets us where we want to go. It doesn't have to be huge. It doesn't even really have to be out of our comfort zone. There's a lot of confusion, if you will, or mm, discord in the research around comfort zone that when we get out of our comfort zone, we're actually in fight, flight, freeze brain place that makes it hard for us to do things well and so yes you want to stretch your comfort zone but you don't need to be outside of it all the time taking these huge risks you just need to find ways to be focused goes all all the way back to branding right who are you what value do you add and where do you want to go when you know that you can know what risks you want to take what changes and steps you're going to make So that you can have the momentum you need to take your career where you want it to go. Because sitting around waiting for someone else to do it for you isn't going to happen. That's why we're here on this show. That's why I've been here for, uh, oh goodness, we're going on five plus years now, um, is to help you get the tools and and information that you need to take control of your own career we've got some guests coming up on the show that i'm really excited about so i hope that you'll join us and in, in the next few weeks if you have ideas questions guests that you want to suggest you're always welcome to do that marie m-a-r-i-e at career thought leaders.com i look forward to seeing you right back here again next week on the career confidant <music>